we've had for weather, huh? Spring, winter, summer, all in the same hour. (laughs) Amazing. Well, we're continuing this series, Portraits of Jesus, and this weekend we're looking at Jesus, the bread of life, from John chapter 6. How many of you were, were here last weekend? Just raise your hand, last weekend, that's good. How many of you are here this weekend? Just... Just checking. All right, John 6 and verse 25. When they found him, when they found Jesus on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him... God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry and who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none of all that he has given me but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Uh, I've told you before that one of the things that I really like about living in America is drive throughs <laughs> I love drive throughs I'm kind of sad, I need to get out more, but I... I get excited when Kay says to me, go pay some, something in at the bank, because that means that I can go through the drive through banking. It is such fun. There's that plastic tube thing. How many know what I'm talking about? And you, you put your money into this plastic tube and you press a button and poof, this little explosion takes place and this disembodied voice tells you to have a nice day. It is just incredible. I love drive through fast food, although I never get what I want because they can't make me out. <laughs> In fact, I, I just tr- try and be an American. My family laugh at me. I go, can I have a hamburger and fries, please? <laughs> that wasn't very good, was it? I sound like a drunk Polish person right there. <laughs> and... and, and drive throughs it can be complicated. I, I won't mention the name of the company, but, you know, like coffee can be complicated these days. It used to be, can I have a cup of coffee? But, I, you know, I, I won't mention the company in case you work for Starbucks, but when you go there, <laughs> when you go there these days, my wife, she's in this service. It's not just a coffee. Oh, no. 
It's a cappuccino. It's a skinny, wet, extra hot, double shot cappuccino. You need a PhD in caffeine just to get through the drive-thru. I read this week about Latresa Goodman. True story. She had a really difficult time at McDonald's. Uh, she went to McDonald's and she, she ordered, what are those little chicken things called? Are they McNuggets? This sounds like commercially sponsored sermon, doesn't it? This. She ordered some chicken McNuggets and here, just stand by because this is kind of traumatic. So if you're, if you're emotionally easily disturbed, you might want to just cover your ears. They ran out of McNuggets. <laughs> <laughs> She called 911 three times. It's true. She said, This is an emergency. They've run out of chicken. If you think that's bizarre, something similar happens in John chapter 6 when the crowds demand that Jesus be. The Muk Messiah. That's kind of cute, isn't it? You see, what's happening here in this story, John 6, the disciples and Jesus, they're with a crowd. It's late in the day. They run out. They, they need food. There are 5,000 men plus women and children. Uh, a miracle takes place. And bread is given to the whole crowd. Marvellous. That night, the disciples get into a boat. Jesus goes off to a mountain to pray. A storm comes up. The disciples freak out. Uh, Jesus walks on the water to them and calms the storm. The next day, get this, the crowd that participated in the feeding of the 5,000 miracle, they want another coupon. And they come to Jesus, and actually not only do they want the same deal, they want a better deal. Yesterday they got free bread. This time they come, and verse 30, they said, What miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? How stupid is that? Yesterday they had a sign. Now they are wanting another sign, and get this, they say, what will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. They are saying, look Jesus, that bread thing you did yesterday, that was really cool. But Moses did that. I mean, you know, could you do something bigger? Could we, I mean, in the original Greek text, they said, could we have pepperoni pizza? No, some of you are writing that down. No, they didn't. But they are looking for something bigger and better. They want a convenience God, a fast food muck Messiah. They want Jesus to be what they want Jesus to be. And you know what? That's a long tradition of humanity. God made humans in his image and ever since we've been trying to return the favour. 1,300 years before Christ, a bunch of Hebrews were stuck in Egypt, enslaved. God led them out of Egypt, not just an escape act, but an exodus towards the land flowing with milk and honey. And yet in Exodus 14, I think it is, they crossed the parted waters of the Red Sea, and in Exodus 32, they abandoned the God who parted the sea, and they say, come, 
Let us make gods who will go before us. You see, there's something in our humanity that wants to make a god. This week I read about Sheila Larson. Sheila believes in a religion that she has created herself. She calls it Sheilaism. It's true. She says, I believe in God. I'm not a religious fanatic. I can't remember the last time I went to church. My faith has carried me a long way. It's called Sheilaism, just my own little voice. And if Sheila is creating her own godette, there is also a danger, my brothers and sisters, that we do something similar. Because bear in mind that the command that we not make other gods was given to the people of God. So if they can do it, so can we. And so what we're going to do as we consider this a little more closely is we're going to think about, are we trying to make, are we trying to manage the deity? Are we trying to make God what we want him to be? I want you to know that I'm going to do something that I, I have never done before this weekend at the end of this service. Some of you are looking really very, very afraid. I've been in ministry now for 31 years. I started when I was two. And ever since then, there are all kinds of things that I have done. But at the end of this service, I am going to do something brand new to me this weekend. So be very afraid. First of all, let's, let's look at this, if you're following along in the bulletin, this danger of creating a God of our preferences, creating a God of our preferences, the temptation, the temptation that is for all of humanity, the temptation that is for us today, the temptation of designer religion. Be what we want, God. We see that in, in verse 15 in this story. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force. Jesus we absolutely insist you will be our political, military messiah. Do what we command. That's what's going on in this story. I wonder, how do we do that? What kind of little gods do we try and make? How about the god of my, or the god in my pocket? You know, the convenience god who, who's just there to help me out. Princeton sociologist Robert Wuthnose said this, listen to these words. At one time, theologians argued that the chief purpose of humankind was to glorify God. Now it would seem the logic has been reversed. The chief purpose of God is to glorify humankind. Spirituality no longer is true or good because it meets absolute standards of truth or goodness, but because it helps me to get along. I am the judge of its worth. If it helps me to find a vacant parking space... I know my spirituality is on the right track. Is that how we reduce God down? You know, kind of the God of the parking space? The God who's just for our convenience? How about this one? And, and listen, folks, you really need to listen very carefully. Otherwise, you could risk getting very, even more upset with me than you already are. What about the God of my nation? What about turning our nation into something that we almost worship. Now, please don't misunderstand me. Thank God for freedom. I'm delighted for the privilege of living in this great nation. But our nation is not our God. And I, I know it's kind of difficult to hear someone with a speech impediment like mine saying this, but whenever Israel got into trouble, it's when Israel focused too much on Israel and didn't focus on God. I believe that we need, at very best, 
to be hesitant patriots. What do I mean by that? Well, a hesitant patriot is someone who doesn't just put their trust in a human government because whoever is in the White House, a human government is just that. Human. Fallen. Sinful. So we don't give our hearts to a nation or to a government. And in fact, we worship a God who does not ride an elephant. We do not worship a God who rides a donkey. We worship a Jesus who rode a colt into Jerusalem. That's the only one that we fully put our trust in. And I can say this to you because you see, I'm a, I'm a Brit. You probably noticed that. If you're a visitor, you might have been thinking, he's from Mississippi. We thought that the sun would never set on the British Empire. Rule Britannia, Britannia rules the waves. Britain never, never shall be slave. Jolly good. (laughs) But the sun did set. Abraham Lincoln was asked during the Civil War if God was on the side of the North. And he said, the real question is not whether God is on our side but whether we are on God's side. Would you hear my heart as I say to you, we do not worship nation. We do not worship a pocket God. How about, how about this version of God? The God who always agrees with me. The God who always says, yeah. We didn't have a car in our family till I was uh, 17, but when we finally got a car, we got a noddy dog with the car. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? A naughty dog. You know, remember those? What was that about? A naughty dog. He sat in the back of our car and we drive along and he always said yes. Is your God like that? Well, I'm thinking about doing this, Lord. Is that okay? Oh, yeah, 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 sure. And you have one posture. It's yes. You ever met met Christians that whatever they do is because God is telling them to do it? Yep, the Lord wants me to sing. And you think, oh, it's ugly. (laughs) Sounds like a piano being thrown down the stairs. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. What about the 911 operator God? Hello? Hello, Lord. Um, it's, uh, It's Sunday morning. It's 10.42 and uh, I'm in my one hour and five minutes of religious activity. Rather appreciate it if you'd show up and bless the rest of my life and I'll see you here again next week. Thank you. (laughs) Now don't misunderstand me. If you're traveling with us and journeying with us and you're looking at this Christian message and thinking about it, God bless you. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about dabbling in a bit of religion. C.S. Lewis says there comes a moment when children who have been playing at burglars will hush suddenly. Was that a real footstep in the hall? There comes a moment when people who have been dabbling in religion suddenly draw back. Suppose we really found him. We never meant it to come to that. What if all of this that we sing about 
is real. That demands far more than a Sunday morning. Is he the God of the 911 operators? So let's not create a God of our preferences. Secondly, there is the consistent divine response when we try and do that. The consistent divine response is, I am what I am. Jesus said in verse 35, I am the bread of life. His response to their Messiah making was to say, no, this is who I am. Exodus 3.14, I am what I am. I mean, would you agree with me? Isn't it kind of crazy that we tiny human beings would try and make God into what we want him to be? He is kind of big. Anyone got a dime? I need a dime. Anyone got a dime? If you haven't got a dime, a hundred dollar bill will do. <laughs> you know what, sir, I appreciate you doing I, I've actually got one, but... Oh, there you go. Thank you. What's your name, sir? Bruce. Bruce. I'll let you have this back with 1.4% interest <laughs> at, the end of the, uh, at the end of the service. Make sure you come and claim this back. Bruce's dime declares the glory of God. How? Because if I hold the dime that Bruce just lent me up to a night sky, I cover, that dime covers 15 million stars in my Milky Way alone. Just your dime, Bruce. 15 million stars. And then, wait, I'm going to give you this back to you because these people don't actually believe I'm going to do that. So I'm going to hand that back. How do we even think of coming to this God and trying to manage him? Brennan Manning says, the stars call us out of ourselves. It's only because of the bigness of God that we can do our small lives. Carl Sagan, Carl Sagan says, to make an apple pie from scratch, first you have to make the universe. I like that statement. Because it brings us back to our smallness. If you're not convinced by the dime, just the head on your shoulders declares the glory of God. Because you know, in your head, there is somewhere between 75 to 100 billion brain cells, each one of them connected to as many as 10,000 other connections with other cells. This is the great I am God. And then this great I am God in this passage defines for us what it really means to experience him as the bread of life. Do you notice that in this passage, one word that frequently occurs is the word belief and relationship. And there are some very strange words here. Jesus talks about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Now, some commentators see that as a link to the bread and wine of communion. But it is, it's possible, but intrinsically what Jesus is saying is, I need to be the very essence of your life, the very bread of your life. And belief and relationship, it's about commitment. Isn't it true that when you eat something, you're making a commitment? When I first came here, I went out for breakfast and uh, they had biscuits and gravy on the menu. I thought, that is a disgusting, disgraceful idea. Where I come from, biscuits are cookies. And so I thought, why would you take a cookie <laughs> and, and, and put gravy on it? I mean, this is a moral outrage, you people. 
you thinking? And the waitress said, you know, try it. So I said, bring me some biscuits and gravy then, ma'am. Thank you. So she bought me some biscuits and gravy and, and I did behold it. And I thought unto myself, self-consume. And I did break a piece of the biscuit off and I did place it into my mouth. And lo, it tasted great. And the moment came when my brain was screaming, this is a disgusting idea, when finally I did swallow. And great was the pleasure thereof. <laughs> What's going on? When I swallowed, I'm saying, all right, I've only got this one body. It's kind of magnificent, therefore I want to take care of it. Eating requires commitment. So Jesus is saying, you're going to eat my flesh, you're going to drink my blood. This is not some weird stuff. This is about commitment. And then belief. You're going to believe on me. Now what's belief? Belief is not just, you know, I think there could be a man on the moon and I think there might be a Jesus. Isn't that nice? No, belief is a very active, trusting thing. Towards the end of this year, we've got a brand new series going on in Timberline. It's called... King of the Hill, it's about the Sermon on the Mount. So this week we did some filming for the King on the Hill series. Pastor Dowry, myself, Pastor Rob and Pastor Dick Foth went out with a wonderful camera crew around Fort Collins shooting some film. How many of you believe that we occasionally smile during this process? Anyone believe that? <laughs> and we went to, I don't know where it was, we went to a park in Fort Collins where there's a lake and there are plastic green frogs in the lake. Does anyone, did I imagine this? It's a city park, I think. And they got these big plastic green frogs about four foot out in the lake. So I said to Pastor Darry, Pastor Darry, I'd like to shoot some of the film standing on top of that frog. And he said, I think that would be right. So I said, the only thing is, I, I don't think I can, I can't make the jump. And, you know, sadly, I was not equipped for swimming. I, I didn't have my speedos with me. <laughs> it's enough to put you off your biscuits and gravy, isn't it? <laughs> so Pastor Darry said to me, he said, Jeff, don't worry. He said, I'll hold your hand. I'll hold on to you and then you can make the jump. I said, I appreciate that, but two would be helpful. Pastor Coles, come and grab my other hand. So they're holding my hands and I fully trusted them. How many, of you, how many of you believe that they just let me go and fall into the water? Raise your hand if you believe that. Yes! Yes, they did not let me go. I trusted them, which frankly is a lot more than you do. And I, they held on to my hand and I stepped onto the frog and I shot the piece of film and then I had to get back and they left. <laughs> no. Because I trusted, I was able to make the leap. That's biblical belief. It's not just a, a mental assent to an idea. And so Jesus calls us to relationship and to trust, to belief. Are we putting our weight upon him. Does faith really change the way we do Mondays as well as Sundays? 
Or is it an idea that we just add on to the smorgasbord of ideas that we carry around in our heads? Well, thirdly, and finally, let's think about considering our response. Considering our response to God's self-revelation. Worship, witness, and faithfulness. Considering our response to God's self-revelation. Worship, witness, and faithfulness. First of all, let's just say, if Jesus is the bread of life, and if he is the great I am, isn't it true that when we get together, we should worship him? Now, you know that worship is not about how loud you shout and about how high you jump. And I am so glad that none of our worship leaders will ever force us or coerce us into doing something. I've I've been to... Christian meetings where the worship goes on for an hour and a half and the worship leader insists that you do what you do. Everyone raise your hands, they say, right now. Mm. Everyone clap, because we're into spontaneous clapping. Everyone raise your hands again. And it goes on and on and on. And then the worship leader says, you know what, this is good, but heaven's going to be just like this, only longer. You won't get that here. But there is always a danger that when we get together on Sunday mornings, we do so as spectators. All right then, it's Timberline time. What you got? However we express it, we do come as worshippers. Kierkegaard said we get confused about who's doing what in worship. We think of worshippers as audience, pastors as entertainers, and God as the prompter. In fact, the worshippers are the performers, the pastors are the prompters, and God is the audience. When he, he said, when we gather for worship, we perform a drama with different parts, speaking, singing, praying, giving money, baptizing, eating bread and wine, all for the delight of God. When we come together, and I know, yes, that worship is more than singing, but when we come together, God is looking for us to play our part. A few years ago, actually many years ago, I was about ten at the time, uh, I met Prince Philip. You know who Prince Philip is? You know that guy? He's married to the Queen. You know her? And uh, I met him. Uh, it was a life-changing experience for him. I mean, it was really... <laughs> He came to visit our youth club. They said, when His Royal Highness walks in, uh, do whatever you're doing. He wants to see a youth club in action. Uh, remember to bow if he speaks to you. And remember to always refer to him as your Royal Highness and never turn your back on him. I'm thinking, why don't you turn your... He's going to take your wallet. You know, what's that? <laughs> anyway, he came in and the great, the great man arrives. The Queen's husband. And I was bouncing up and down on a trampoline. Walks in. And then he walks over to the trampoline. And I remember they said, when he walks up to you, bow. (laughs) Is he gone yet? I did this because it was expected. It was the protocol. 
And when we come together, we come not as an audience, but as the performers. To a God who calls us to gather and affirm our worship, our praise. Jesus, you are worthy of honour and glory and power and praise because you were dead and now you are alive. And we praise you. It is expected. We must respond in worship. We must respond in witness, surely too. (laughs) If Jesus really is the bread of life, don't you think we should mention it? I'm not talking about that kind of cheesy, aggressive evangelism. I used to do a lot of that, you know. Switch every conversation around to God. Would you like to have a cheese sandwich, Jeff? No, thank you, for I have the bread of life. But whatever happened to evangelism? If he's saying that he's the, the ultimate substance of life, shouldn't we graciously, through our lives as well as our words, shouldn't we be expressing that? And then finally, faithfulness. Because you see, this story ends with a remarkable question from Jesus. The Jews are grumbling because of the words that he said, particularly about eating his body and drinking his blood. They're offended, they're, they're mumbling and murmuring, they leave him. And then Jesus says to his disciples, Will, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And that's what brings me to the thing that I've never done in 31 years of ministry. You see, I've often given responses at the end of the sermon saying, you, if you want to give your life to Christ, respond now. I've often given responses that says, if you want to respond to God in giving or prayer or you want to rededicate your life to Christ, respond now. I've, often, I've done that hundreds of times. But what I've never, ever done before this weekend is ask this question. I wonder how many there are here who are right on the edge of saying, I give up as a Christian. I'm not talking about changing church. I hope you won't. But you can change church and continue to follow Jesus. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who find themselves in a place in their lives where you are that far away You've come here this weekend and it's like, God, I I don't think I can do this thing anymore. I'm not sure I can cope with being a Christian any longer, you're thinking. In a few seconds, if that's where you are, I'm going to ask that you make a little response. Not to confirm your decision, obviously. But just as Jesus asked this question, will you leave too? And the response is, Lord, where do we go? You have the words of eternal life. I just need to say to somebody, sometimes the only reason you can continue your Christian faith is just because you know it's right. You may feel nothing. You may have not felt anything for a long time. But just as Jesus asked that question, so I put the question out there too. 
And in a few seconds, I'm going to ask you to respond. Again, you're saying, I'm right on the edge. But please pray for me because I want Jesus to be the source of my life, strength, nourishment. I want him to be the bread to me. We're going to pray together now. Let's come together. Let's bow our heads and let's take some seconds to walk through our responses to God. Father, we thank you. We thank you because we see in Jesus the incredible revelation of the bread of life. The I am. And as we wait in these moments, Lord, we ask you to to shatter the false gods that we construct. The God of my pocket, the convenience God, the the God of my nation. As we thank you for freedom and yet God save us from ever ever becoming part of a nation before we are part of the kingdom. May it always be that we ask whether we are on your side. Shatter in us, Lord, the notion of the God who always will agree with us, the, the yes God. Lord, some of us are hearing you say no right now because you love us and we don't like it. Help us to submit to your loving authority. We don't want you as a 911 operator, a Sunday morning hobby. We want you, great I am, the maker of 15 million stars behind a dime. We want you to be Lord of our Mondays as well as our Sundays. Help us to believe. Help us to commit. Help us to trust. Cause us to be worshippers too, Lord. How can we gather before you and not worship? However we express that, may we be those who worship those who witness to your life. And now, Father, as we come to this final issue of this incredible question that you asked your disciples, will you leave too? Help us, Lord, to make an honest response and a change. As our heads are bowed, As our heads about, I wonder if you find yourself in that place. You say, Jeff, if I'm very honest, I am so close to giving up on my faith. And I, I've come this weekend and I'm right on the edge. Very, very simply, and I want all of our heads to be bowed. Thank you for that, because I want this to be a definite moment, but a private moment. If that's true, and you'd like to be included in this next prayer, Can I ask you please just to slip up your hand for a moment so I can see it. Hold it there for a second and then just put it down. Thank you. That's that's very brave of you. Thank you for your honesty. It's one of those responses where I don't want to see any hands and I do want to see hands. 
I don't want to see them because I don't want you to be in that pain. I do want to see them because thank you for responding and being honest. We're going to pray now. Can I ask everybody please to stand with me if we're able? Let's stand together. Let's pray. So now, Lord, we come before you and we especially pray for those who have just responded, some who are just so right on the edge. Thank you that in this place today they have been honest, but we pray that you will not leave them in that place. Even if they say, well, Jesus, I'll follow you, I've got nowhere else to go. You have the words of eternal life. We pray for them for hope, for faith, for strength. Comfort those who need comfort and cause them today, we pray, to make good choices, to continue to follow you even though it's tough. Jesus, you are the very bread of life. Be Lord, be God, be the great I am in us this week. We agree together in Jesus' name. Everyone said Amen. You know, in a moment, in a moment, our prayer team will be here. We'd love to pray with you if we can. Uh, Based on the weather this last week, uh, I'd like to forecast that this week there will be sun, rain, snow, uh, all in the same 30 minutes. Enjoy the week. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Great to see you here. Don't forget the prayer team are here. We can pray with you. We would love to do that. God bless you.